I get blown away sometimes, actually, um, thinking about the size of God and, and how awesome he is. And the more I try to put it into words, the more confused I get, because I realise that words don't come close. Um, I'm going to read a little bit, actually, from Isaiah, which it's, it's God's word, so it's, it's him kind of describing himself in words, which is, I, I, I can't describe him in words, so... Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or if the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord, or instructed him as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge? Who showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are but a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as if they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded as him as worthless and less than nothing. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? That's just some amazing pictures I see there, he measured the oceans in the palm of his hands just, just weighing the mountains chucking it like, as if it's nothing, like dust so I think the, the size of that we are and what we are in comparison to, to England and what we are in comparison to, to Europe and the world I, I feel pretty small and then I think actually the world compared to our solar system even smaller, our solar system compared to our galaxy, I feel even smaller and our galaxy is one of like endless amounts God created all that can we, can we picture the size of God, the awesomeness, the most the powerfulness of God and then I think actually what am I compared to God can I throw stars into space can I create anything that is like you or me I mean, I'll, I'll sit down with, with a tub of plasticine and, and, and try and make myself, and it, it just doesn't compare. And, and no, matter how, no matter how smart we are, no matter how technologically advanced, nothing compares to, to God's creation. I mean, the, the things that... I, I walk down the street and, and through some woods or something, and I'll pick up a leaf or look at a cobweb and think how intricate that is. I couldn't come up with that one thing. I can't think of anyone that I know could come up with that thing. Yet God's filled the world with those things. And it's blowing it, it, my mind now just trying to explain it, but God is just huge. And there's, there's no end to God. And I, I'm just going to stop thinking about it because otherwise I'm going to natter on about the size of God all night. <laughs> so with that in mind, with the fact that we don't compare to God, we can't ever come close to God, why is it he calls us to do things? Little things, big things. I mean, he calls us to, to be Christians in school, in our workplace. He calls us to, to talk to our friends, to talk to our family. He calls us to serve him. It could, it could be big things, to, to minister a church or to lead worship. Anything that we can do, God can do so much better. Yet he calls us to do them things. And again, what are we compared to God? Surely can't God just 
go and do everything better than us. We just make a pig's ear of things. Uh, like a bit later on in that verse, God compares us as grasshoppers to him. Again, what are we compared to God? But not all doom and gloom, because God does call us to do things, and, and we do give them a go. And some of the big things that God calls us to do, I've got here things like overseas mission, church planting, and, and praying for the sick. That, that I can't do in my own strength. Go up to someone and praying for someone to be healed, I've got to fully rely on God. And sometimes it's not just big things like that, it's little things, little things God calls us to do that we feel we can't do. I remember I've been here since September, um, here for a year, and when I came here during the summer, I walked through them doors, and I come from a, from a small church that meet in a school hall, about 30 people. And I walked in and saw pews, I saw an organ, I saw the size of it. The first thing I said to God was, no way. No way are you putting me here for a year. I can't do that. I can't be a part of a large church. So that led me to a point where I had to fully rely on God. That it, it isn't my strength that I'm here, that I'm standing here. I had to totally trust in God that he had, my, he had me in his hands and if I was going to fall, he was there to catch me. And one guy in the Bible that relied fully on God's strength was Samson. Um, don't know a story about Samson. Samson done some really strong things. Um, and a lot of people think that he was, he was a really strong guy and God blessed him with, with loads of strength and he was a well-built guy. But he, he wasn't. He was, a, he was a normal guy. And one bit here, it's got, Samson went down to Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came roaring towards him. The Spirit of God came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. Now it's the interesting bit there. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. <clears throat> and all the other, a lot of the other things that Samson does, he becomes strong when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. That wasn't his own strength. That was the strength of God. He couldn't have done that on his own. And there's a point he gets captured, he gets his hair cut and he loses his strength and he gets his eyes ripped out and it's a little bit gory. And he gets taken to the temple to be humiliated and he's everybody thinks that he's this really strong guy because of the things that they've seen him done not understanding that it's God and he's just standing there and he asks to lean against some pillars and one thing that he prays he says then Samson prays to the Lord O sovereign God remember me O God please strengthen me once more he's acknowledging there that he can't do that in his own strength the other people that are watching don't know that he can't do that in his own strength because they're not praying to the same God as him they're not praying to the the God, the creator of the universe, God Almighty. But he is, and he knows that there is nothing that he can't do without God. And God gives him that strength, and he rips down the temple, and a load of people die. End of the story. But the fact is, he couldn't have done that in his own strength. He had to fully rely on God. Them things, the things that we can't do, can often be the easiest things to do. Bear with me a sec, because... Because if God calls me to, to tear down a temple, I can't do that on my own. So I haven't got to worry about my performance. If God calls us to do something a little bit wacky and a little bit out of the ordinary that we can't do, we haven't got to worry about that. Because if God's called us to do that, we can do it. Because, because God said that we can do it. And God, creator of the universe, there's nothing we can't do if we're fully relying on God. But then the hardest thing, actually, which I, I thought when I was writing this, is... When God calls us to do the things that we can do, one guy that got called to do something that he could do was Gideon. Um, Gideon was the leader of a group of people in Israel, and some Midianites were coming and attacking the area. 
And he was, he was hiding in a, in a wine press, sifting wheat. This is a leader, and he's like hiding from the enemy, sifting wheat. And God sends an angel of the Lord to him and turns around and says, go with your own strength and save Israel from the Midianites. Go with your own strength. That isn't, you go in my strength and I shall smite everybody for you. That's, you get up out your barrel. Because of your life that you've lived before that, you have the strength that I have given you to go and do something that I've called you to do. So Gideon does, he gets out, and we'll follow up the rest of that story in a bit. All of us in here, we have something, we have gifts, we have abilities, we have, we've all lived a life, we've all come across situations and circumstances that make us who we are and make us able to deal with certain situations and, and do things for God. And one of the things like with the, what the burden is going on with at the moment is telling your story. God's given us a story. He's, he's been there in our life in, at some point in some way. We've all got mouths. We're all able to talk. We're all able to tell people about what God's done in our lives. It, it kind of sounds easy in that, but it's not. I'm not saying it is because I find it really hard myself. But it's something that God has put in us that we can do. We don't have to rely on supernatural. We don't need thunderbolts out of heaven to, to talk to a friend about Jesus. We, we don't. It's just a simple thing. We sit down and we, we talk to them. But there's some problems, actually. This is why I think these are some of the harder things to do. Because when we do things, I say slightly, in our own strength, things that we can do, where we don't always think, okay, I'm going to consult God first. I'm going to talk to my friend. Okay, God, help me. I'm going to talk to my friend. You don't do that because you talk to your friends all the time. And that's so the problems with that is we can become, we can become proud. We can think that yeah, I'm really good at telling my friends about things. I'm really good at doing things for God because I can do them. And this little verse in Philippians, actually, which I'm going to bring up, it's, it's Philippians 1 verse 8. It says, The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Okay, so we're, we're telling people about God and we're doing things for God in our own strength. God's still getting the glory, okay, because we're doing things for God. People are still hearing about God but we're still holding on to a little bit of that glory. We're still thinking, yeah, I can do this, and we're not totally relying on God. Second problem is, if, if we're doing things in our own strength, and we're not doing it because we want to get big-headed, but we're doing it because it's something we can do, eventually, we will grow tired and weary. What I've got down here, I've got no hyperactive evangelists in big, bold letters. What I mean by that is you could get all fired up. Um, okay, I'm going to win all my friends and family for Jesus. You leave, you leave a Sunday service all fired up, and you run around, you're telling everybody, you're doing this for God, you're doing that for God. This is something that I can do, so I'm going to use it for God. I'm going to do it some more, I'm going to do it some more, I'm going to do it some more. We're only humans. We grow tired and we grow weary. Can we have that um, the next slide up, please? This is how this is how that verse that bit Isaiah winds up. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. He will not grow tired or grow weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. 
But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not grow faint. The bit that I want to pick out in there first is where it simply says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. The reason they use um, youths and young men here is that youths and young men were the fittest of the fit in them days. And if they run and grow tired and weary, then everybody else will. So no matter how good you are at something, if you're using it for God, if you do it too much, you'll get tired. And, and just put this up, what would you rather do? If, if you're all fired up and you want to win people for God, would you rather spend two or three years going around and doing that? Yes, another one for Christ, another one for Christ. Oh, I'm getting tired. Four years down the line, you just can't do it no more. You've grown tired, you've grown weak, you've fell over. You, you can't carry on doing that. Because we're only human and God's God. So, obvious answer, turn to God. Right? Because, like it says there, the Lord is an everlasting God. It's, he will not grow tired or grow weary. If we do things that we can do, fully relying on God, letting God work through us and the things that we can do, it's, it's a promise that, that God says. God promises that we can, we can run and not grow weary, we'll walk and not grow faint, faint. He'll renew our strength. And this isn't something that I'm telling you tonight. This is, this is just the words of God. This is, God's, this is what God has to say. And if I want to put my trust in anybody to be telling the truth, it's God. There's an odd little um, bit at the end there, soar on wings like eagles. When I used to read that a few years ago, I just thought that was a nice picture, kind of like soaring like an eagle. But the thing is, when an eagle soars, it, it sticks out its wings and it, it looks for the updrafts. It looks for what will lift it up to new heights, what will take it up there. And like, it's kind of fitting, really, like what we need to do to to soar on wings like eagles. An eagle doesn't spend its whole life flapping, trying its utmost hardest to get to them new heights. If it carries on flapping, it will grow tired and weary. It will have to, it will have to land. It will... Predators can catch it when it's, land, when it's on the ground. It needs to just trust in... God has given it wings... And the correct way for him, for the eagle to use them wings, is to just hold them out. It's to just hold them out and let them updrafts lift it to the height that it can be lifted to. So how does that apply to us? Okay, we haven't got wings, but we've got arms. We can hold them out to God and say, you've given me my talents and my abilities Okay, I don't want to just carry on using them and using them in what way I think they should be used. Here's my gifts that you've given me. Here's my abilities that you've given me. Thank you, Lord, for them. Now I just surrender them to you. You've given them to me. How do you want me to use them? Where do you want me to use them? That's, I'm sorry, that's the only way that we're going we're gonna to let God bring out the best in us, is to just, arms out, surrendering that, God, just use me. No matter what I come across, no matter what trials I face, 
you are God and you will sustain me through that. The fact that it says they will run and not grow weary and walk and not grow faint, I'm not the fittest of all people. I, I can barely walk 100 metres and I'm out of breath. But to have, but so, so for me, that promise is amazing. Like, the feeling that I could feel, like, when I run, it's great, like, wind rushing through my hair and everything, but that only lasts for so long. God can sustain that. No matter what we have, God can sustain that indefinitely because God is the everlasting God. He doesn't grow tired or weary. God working in me, I'm not going to grow tired and weary if I just, if I just fully surrender myself to God. Because there isn't anything that I can do that God can't do better. And God wants to do them things through me. He wants to do things through you. There, there isn't no limit to what we can do. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That isn't, I can do most things through Christ who strengthens me. That isn't, I can do a few things through Christ who strengthens me. It's all. It's, it's not leaving anything else. There's no if, there's no buts. I can, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you by fully surrendering yourself. It's, it's not an easy thing. to. I'm not standing up here saying, yeah, it's easy, I've got this sussed. It's challenging for me saying this because I'm kind of like speaking it to myself and I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to think, I need to do something with that. And I don't know if you're thinking actually there's something that you need to do from this. There's a few... So I'd, When I was in school, I'd done um, psychology for a little bit and I only done it for a couple of months because they seemed to put people into boxes. This was this type of person, this was that type of person. And that's why I left. And I've kind of done that here. So I think my psychology teacher would be, would be happy to see me doing this, I think. But I don't think everyone does fit into these. Um, these are just different aspects of what tonight could be saying because you can all be listening. Not all of you people here are in the same boat. You're all in different situations, different points in your life, um, work, school, college, retired, I think. I'm not saying any... <laughs> Sorry. But we are. We are. We're all in different stages in our life. And this, the Bible applies to all of us at all points in our life. We just need to know how to apply it. And so maybe you're standing here thinking, okay, that's, that's nice to hear that God calls us to do things and, and God will sustain us through that. But maybe thinking, actually, I haven't done anything for God to experience him sustaining us. Maybe you don't even know what it is God wants you to do. And in, in line with, with, the, with the eagle, maybe you're on the edge of that cliff and you haven't made the first jump yet. You know you're an eagle. You know that you're made to soar, to do great things. But you're not quite sure if your wings are big enough. You're not quite sure if, if you're the person, oh, I'm, God's not going to work through me. I'm just me. There's nothing special about me. Why would God want to do that? God does. So maybe you're thinking, okay, but what if I jump and, and he doesn't catch me? God is God. So he's the creative universe. He's, he's sent his son Jesus to die for us, for that relationship. How can he not want to catch us? Do you mean? He, he doesn't want to see a hair on our head harmed. He wouldn't let us fall. 
but maybe you've made that first jump at some point within year, years ago, whatever, you've, you've jumped and you said, right, I'm going to live my life for God, I'm going to, I'm going to do something for God. So you, you've jumped and you thought, right, this is good, let's start doing things for God. And you, you do some more things for God. And you think, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm gaining height. I'm doing something here. But you just feel like you're, you're swimming in circles, kind of going nowhere fast, all them kind of things. Are you fully relying on God? It, it's, a, it's a bit of a hard challenge, actually. I don't want to be saying that to anybody. Are you fully relying on God? But God's promises are that he will sustain us. And that's, that's not to say, like I say, it's not to say that we're, we're seeking all the glory. But we're used to doing things and I can do something so I'm going to do it. I don't, my first point of call isn't God. Is that your first point of call? No matter what we approach, no matter who we speak to, is our first point of call actually God, will you speak through me um, to this person? With the whole theme of telling your story, it's not just about us telling our story about what God's done in our lives. It's, it's God using us for other people to hear our story. It's God can do anything better than us. Are we letting God fully work through us? And then, but then there's group number three. That you're sitting there thinking, what is that guy on about? God, eagles, soaring, doing things for God means nothing to me I don't know God I didn't know God once and I'm just going to just finish up by just telling a little story about about how I came to make that first jump um, when I was 16 I found out my mum had a drug problem um, I always knew she, she was always in and out of um, psychiatric wars when I was 16 I found out that that was all drug related I rebelled against my mum, I hated my mum for that then hate's a strong word but that's how I felt then but how could, she's supposed to be my mum how can she be doing drugs what if my friends found out, that's it I packed my bags and I moved out that was kind of alright for a bit but actually yeah I'm a man now, I've moved out and that didn't I, I kind of felt like I needed something more so, so I turned to drinking and that it was all right for a little bit, and then I turned to, then I turned to drugs, and I started off just by smoking cannabis. That, that was all right for a bit, like for me at, at that time. I mean, that was, that kind of cheered up my weeks of being 16, homeless, living in homeless accommodation, like with some not nice people. I thought, actually, ah, it kind of takes me out of that place. And then that just became a habit, it just became a chore, something that I needed to, needed to get money for. So because of that, I had to turn to crime. And I turned to crime, which would feed my habit, but then my habit grew, and I moved out of this homeless um, accommodation into emergency housing, or temporary housing, one of the two. And I suddenly mixed with a whole new group of people, and they all used to take ecstasy. I kind of stayed away from it for a bit because that wasn't me. But I felt I needed something else to get me out of that place that I was in. So I started taking ecstasy. That was really messed my head up. Really, really, like I was so desperate. I, I had a huge telly. Like it was an old one, but it was huge. I sold it for £3. Like that was the point I was in in my life. I was desperate just to get myself out of that place that I was in. 
And then push came to, I ended up, like, over the next couple of months, I was, cocaine came about, and that's, that's expensive. Um, so the crimes that I had to do to pay for that, kind of, a lot of them I don't like saying, during, but, like, house burglaries, for instance, um, stealing cars, like, big electrical equipment from supermarkets and that. And there came a point when I was in someone's house and there was, like, family pictures. And, like, I looked at the family pictures for a second and I thought, this is someone's house, they're going to have to come back to this. The amount of pain that I was causing people, like, that really pushed me downhill because after that experience... I needed more drugs than I'd ever taken before, and because of that, I needed to pay more money than I've ever paid before. And because I had to pay more money, I had to do worse things to earn that money. And because I was doing worse things, I needed to take more drugs. And it was just this vicious, vicious spiral. I was ended up spending about £400 a week for someone that isn't working at all. But I, I really despised myself for the things that I was doing. I knew that there was more, there must have been more to life than that. I mean, it's, it's, it's as if I was cragging on that cliff. I didn't know that I was an eagle and what I was supposed to do. I was just, like, scrabbling around searching, and my searching led me into a more, more dangerous place. And then, then a guy came along, a, a Christian guy, and started talking to me, and he, he kind of accepted me for who I was. But I'd lost all my friends, um, and the friends that I made along the way... Oh, they'd steal things from me, I'd steal things from them. Friends just wasn't a word that we used to use because we had none. And this guy started talking to me about putting your trust in Jesus. That was all a bit weird then. Maybe that's what you're thinking now, actually. That's a bit, that's a bit weird. Putting your trust in someone that, had, like, at that point in my life, I thought, actually, he hasn't done nothing for me. If this guy is real, he could have he could have called me back somewhere along. He, if if he was this creator of everything and knew everything that was going to happen, like why did he let me move out in the first place? I mean, why did he let me mix with a certain group of people, then another group of people? Why did he let me get to the point where I couldn't see what I was supposed to be here for? I never got like, I never got suicidal. Um, but there were times when I thought to myself, what is the point? All I'm doing is hurting people. If he was this loving God, he wouldn't have let me get to that point. But the guys, actually, they, they, they were all my decisions. I chose that route. And he explained it in a way that a lot of people spend their lives searching for something. You know, like the eagle searching for, actually, searching for the fact that he's an eagle and he can soar. And I thought I found that in moving out. I thought I found that um, in like the minor drugs. I thought I found that in shoplifting. I thought I found that in... Um, I, thought, I thought I'd finally found it in cocaine. But that point in my life, I, I knew that that wasn't. And if, if I was to carry on, I would, have, I would have been falling off that cliff pretty soon. Like, in, in real life terms, I would have been dead or in prison. That's where my life was going. And he said, actually, Christians believe that Jesus is what you're looking for. That sounds really cheesy. And 
I thought, actually, no, it's not. And then he shared a bit about his life and how his life got changed. And he said, look, do you want to take a risk? Do you want to trust in someone that I can't 100% down on paper prove to you that this is the theory of your life? You just need to trust for one second. Hold out your arms and just jump. Just jump and... And, yeah, I, I decided to. I thought, well, I've got nothing better to do. And that point there, I knew that what he was saying was real. This God of the universe, the creator of everything. I, I didn't know loads about him then, but I knew that he was real. I knew that he, he wanted to do something. So maybe you're in that category. It's, it's all a bit weird, and there's a jump you to make it sounds crazy blow caution to the wind <clears throat> we have the band back just start making your way back up just so there's no so what is it God's saying tonight I can't really tell you what that is because God's God and God's speaking to everyone personally is it that is he saying do you trust me is he saying, you, you know me, you want to do something for me, just trust that I'll catch you? Is he saying, thank you for all your hard work, all your flapping, but now just lift out your arms and trust me, trust God of the universe, the God that you know, the God that you've been working for, the God that you love, the God that will unconditionally support you through everything that you do? Is he saying, turn to me first? <clears throat> or is he simply saying actually talk to someone about me you don't know me yet I, c- I can honestly say that he wants to know every person in this room whether he does now whether he does, is going to in the future <clears throat> God does so we just have just have a couple of moments just with nothing just just in our own heads, whether it's us saying a prayer to God or just listening to what what some something out there might say. Do you mean you've had no experience of of hearing from God before? Kind of, I'll let you into a little secret actually the, of how to hear God. It's really simple. We just need to listen. <clears throat>